Welcome back to Autopsy of a Horror Movie. My name is Brucker, and today I will be discussing the Shudder exclusive movie, Seance, from 2021. Now, this movie was written and directed by Simon Barrett, who I got to interview and discuss this movie with. That will be coming on in a little bit. If you are here purely for the interview and don't care what I have to say, head over to the show notes where there will be a timestamp for, for where that interview begins. But before I get into Seance and my interview with Simon Barrett, I just want to get some housekeeping things out of the way real quick. With the holidays shortly around the season and my schedule getting very um, crazy here, uh, episodes are going to be now switching to a bi-weekly schedule. So instead of you getting an episode every week, you'll be getting episodes every other week. Uh, with this, I hope to be able to bring back the TV, the, like the horror TV commentaries that I used to do. If you're new to the show, I did a, a commentary series on the full second season of Creepshow. That is on Shudder if you want to go back and listen to those and listen as you watch along. I've, I've been told by many people that they actually really liked the commentary tracks and they actually do as well as my other episodes, which surprises me. So I, I talked about doing the MTV Scream series, which I still want to do. It's just that right now, I just don't know if I could fully commit to a full series. So instead of starting a series and then realizing, oh, I don't have time for this. I'm going to have to stop and just stick with the normal episodes. I think I'm just going to kind of do like random, like good, like horror rich episodes from TV shows. Uh, and you'll see what I have planned for that. So I think that'll end up being uh, a lot of fun. And if you have recommendations or requests for that, please send them to me at bruckerhorror at gmail.com. Or you can find me on Instagram at bruckerhorror and send me a DM. That is totally fine as well. But on to Seance from this year. This movie was written and directed by Simon Barrett, who also wrote the movies Your Next and The Guest. This is actually his directorial debut, and I really enjoyed this movie. Um, it it has has a lot of things, a lot of elements that I really like about this. So my history with Seance is uh, kind of rapid. I mean, it, it's a newer movie. It came out in early October, I believe. I got to do a early screener for this for Shutter uh, in September. And I interviewed Simon, I believe, in late September as well. This movie didn't come out until, I believe, early October. And my interview is now only coming out now in mid-November. There's a few reasons why I was thinking that this might be a fun thing to do for October. But Seance really isn't like an October movie, if that makes any sense. This is specifically like a very nice, kind of like cozy winter horror movie um it is a whodunit which i love and because of that i'm going to respect simon's wishes in not revealing the ending of this or the identity of the assailant <laughs> in this movie uh so i'm not going into like super nitty-gritty details just because of that and i do recommend going to shutter and watching this it is a lot of fun especially for this time of year so because I am not going to get into the nitty-gritty details, and maybe you haven't seen this movie, let me give you the elevator pitch. Let me give you the layout for what this movie is. 
a group of senior girls living in a boarding school academy pull a Bloody Mary-like prank on one of their cohorts, Carrie. After the prank, Carrie runs to her room in fear, not realizing it was just a joke. Her cohorts are laughing about the joke down the hall when they hear Carrie scream. She is found dead three stories below on the sidewalk. Was it suicide? Was it murder? Or was it ghost? The plot thickens when newcomer Camille joins the school and moves into Carrie's former dorm. Spooky and creepy things then begin to take place all around the academy as Carrie's former friend group begins to dwindle down and Camille is thrown into this mystery. So I'm going to get into five things that I liked about this movie. Number one is the setting. I love the isolated academy. It has a winter lodge atmosphere to it with the snowy climate and it makes for a great cozy watch, especially if you're still, you know, needing to like scratch that horror itch. It feels like it's very inspired by uh, Black Christmas. and I kind of discussed this with Simon in the interview and I love that. I Black Christmas is one of my favorite horror movies and I was getting so many good Black Christmas vibes from this. And there's a lot of reasons why, but I won't get into why. Number two is the whodunit aspect. I love a good mystery, and this is a good one. I wish I thought of this thought (laughs) during my conversation with Simon, but this kind of also, in addition to to Black Christmas, this kind of gave me some Scream 2-like vibes, just with, you know, whodunit, murder mystery, there's a slasher killer loose on campus sort of feel, kind of like how Scream 2 is. And also, Camille is a strong character, kind of like how Sidney Prescott is. But anyways, back to the whodunit feel of it. It um, it was good, and it kind of kept me guessing to the end, uh, you know, who you know, who, who was the killer in this. I thought it was very good. And on rewatch, I did notice that there was some good visual cues, so pay attention, folks. Number three is The Ghost. This movie does have ghosts. It, has, it is a... Murder mystery whodunit with ghost. Uh, the supernatural aspect of this is, uh, I think, very good. And uh, tasteful is a weird like way to describe that, but it kind of just felt right and appropriate for this. This movie plays off of both slasher killer scares that are you know very good and some very good ghost scares as well. It's a nice balance, and it's also kind of refreshing to get both of those in a movie. There are some movies that do that, but When you sit down to watch Halloween versus The Woman in Black, you are going into both of those movies with two very different mindsets, and you're preparing yourself for very different types of scares. So it's kind of like, you know, uh, you you kind of feel a little off balance, but like in a good way in this movie, because, you know, you're getting both that slasher and the good ghost paranormal scares. I will say I thought the paranormal scares were slightly more effective and I actually enjoy them a little bit more but the slasher stuff was still good in this too number four the fight scenes there are some good fight scenes in this especially towards the end of the movie that are very rad and they're just spectacular they kind of just maybe you know stand up and just go oh my goodness like you know you really freak out at some of the stuff that uh at the stuff that happens during the climaxes of these fight scenes. They are very good. Um, one of my favorite parts of this. And I will not look at cabinets, filing cabinets, the same way again. I'm just going to say that. Number five, 
Camille, our final girl, our protagonist, the new girl in school. I really liked her character. Um, she is a strong character that does not take shit from anyone. Kind of in the same vein as Sydney Prescott, but colder. Camille is not a warm character. She is not here to make friends, even though she does make a friend. She is, you know, the new girl in school, and she is just having to deal with these shithead girls that keep trying to bully her, and she just does not take any shit, and I love it. She does get roughed up some, but Camille it was built for battle and ready to take on anyone. I loved how strong her character was, as I've already said, and at times, while it does kind of come off as one note-ish, she was very easy to root for and had me literally clapping and freaking out at some of the stuff that she pulled off of in this movie. It was very good. Okay, so with all of that out of the way, go see Seance. It's on Shudder. It was very enjoyable. Here is my conversation with Simon Barrett, the writer and director of this movie. And just a quick little heads up, I did ask him that uh, the cabin in the woods question that I ask on every episode. And for some reason, (laughs) there was some confusion that he was experiencing when I asked this. So um, it gets a little (laughs) awkward during that. I'm not sure. I haven't edited yet, so I'm not sure how I've edited around that. But if it kind of seems like there's a weird flow during that part of the conversation that's because there was a weird flow and i'm doing my best to try to cover it up all right guys uh check out shutter check out this interview with simon brett and i will see you next time bye well thank you so much simon for uh coming on and joining me no thank you thank you for having me on i got to watch uh seance and this was honestly just a lot of fun i had so much fun watching it last night uh yeah, kicked back with a couple of beers taking some notes with it and uh it was a very fun you know murder mystery ghost story whodunit and i'm a i'm a huge fan of that that kind of subgenre of like the murder mystery um so would you mind telling me a little bit about what were some of your inspirations for writing and directing seance yeah i mean kind of you know kind of like you said i mean I would say that just as a young viewer, my favorite genre was, you know, what I've kind of come to think of as the cozy slasher genre, you know, these, these mystery slashers that that would be fairly straightforward in, you know, their structure, but but within that would sometimes do very strange or surprising uh, or shocking things. And I always, you know, just love that as kind of a young watcher of cinema. You know, I think everyone kind of finds those films soothing in their simplicity to a certain extent. So I Mm -hmm. always, I I kind of felt like as a director, as a first time feature director, I wanted to work in a film that I really felt like I understood just kind of the language of as a viewer. Um, And then, you know, kind of not really necessarily thinking about like whether that was a a film that was again the zeitgeist or, or would be popular or anything like that, just kind of thinking like, that's a story that I feel like I have, I have a certain kind of confidence in telling. And then, uh, you know, once I kind of got older, you know, I realized that like, you know, there was, and, and, you know, this is, I guess, I, I think I figured this out fairly quickly. You know, I'd, I saw deep red and bird with crystal plumage and, and, you know, the kind of main Gialli, you know, that are popular over here when I was, you know, 13, 14, I think. But, you know, once I kind of discovered Gialli and, and, that there was this kind of missing link between more classical murder mysteries, film noirs, 
and and thrillers of like the the 60s and 70s you know that 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 there was a transitional genre kind of between that and the slasher movies of the 1980s and that was these you know Giallis mainly obviously you know people in other countries than Italy were making these films but those were you know kind of the most stylish famous ones of course you know that became a very you know uh, that that interested me a lot you know I, I i devoured as many of those films as i could get my hands on and mm-hmm. and in recent years many of those movies have have made a kind of a comeback as they've been kind of restored and rediscovered so i you know i think that is kind of that kind of is, has uh surprisingly been in the zeitgeist a little bit this year in that um you know uh, Edgar Wright and uh, James Wan kind of also, I guess, have 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 made uh, giallo homages. I haven't seen uh, Last Night in Soho. Uh, I adored Malignant, uh, but but um, and then I guess Alex de Iglesia also has a giallo uh, that's coming out, which I, I haven't seen, but he's one of my favorite filmmakers. So you know, so I, I wonder if that's because like of the recent restorations of these films that have kind of reminded a lot of filmmakers like myself of their love of the genre. But, you know, I mean, those were just like the films that I consumed um, so repeatedly, you know, that I, I and I'd always wanted to make one for that reason. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Uh, I know that a lot of horror fans are fans of some of like the movies that you've written, uh, Your Next and The Guest. Uh, how how was it going from transitioning from writer to writer and director for for a feature like this? Well, you know, in the early films that I did with Adam Wingard, you know, where I was kind of writing and producing, you know, that was a that was a tremendous amount of work because, you know, there, I was kind of the main producer on those films, you know, arranging everything and, you know, basically writing the checks, you know, and, and getting insurance and, you know, forming an LLC and all that. So, you know, that that was a lot of work and responsibility. Then for kind of a while, you know, once we became more successful, I didn't really have to do that sort of thing anymore. And, and this felt like kind of going back to that where it was like, oh, okay, I'm kind of, I'm not, I'm not forming LLCs or worrying specifically about who our insurance vendor is, uh, but I am like kind of ultimately responsible for a, a lot of major decisions. And, you know, so it's, it's you know, it's a lot of stress and, and <laughs> you know, Sans was a tough shoot. Um, mm. You know, we had we had uh, you know less time than we had on your next and and certainly the guest and stuff like that you know with 22 shooting days on seance so you know i knew and and we had a bunch of locations because we weren't able to find you know a school that would work for the film or we weren't able to find a school that would let us film uh there to be specific <laughs> um and, and so you know so so, you know, it, it was a challenge and it was a lot of work, but it was also, you know, you get to stretch your creative, your creativity in a way that I'd, uh, you know, I'd, right. I'd really miss doing, um, you know, honestly. So I, I was really happy, uh, really happy ultimately with the experience. Does, does that like change either directing or writing style, knowing you will be doing both jobs at all, or uh, you kind of just, well, just, you just do it? <laughs> I've never directed anything anyone else has written, so I, I can't speak to that creative process. Um, but when I write for myself versus another director, I you know it, it's different because I don't I don't work like normal screenwriters. You know, when I write something for s- someone other than myself, mm-hmm. I'm specifically writing it for Adam Wingard. <laughs> I, I don't do anything else. I mean, and that and and that's the kind of truth. Um, there are some projects that I get attached to, you know, but usually I know who the director is, you know, whether it's gonna be someone like Jason Eisner, 
you know, there, there are directors, you know, that I'm friendly with that I, I kind of know what their style is, who I feel like I can write for. Mm -hmm. um, Adam being obviously the most obvious example, because he and I kind of have a, you know, a certain creative communication over these years that, you know, that allows us to work together uh, very easily. Uh, but, you know, uh, so, so there's really not much difference. You know, the only difference is, um, you know, no one's really telling me not to do certain things so that certain <laughs> things are going to be too difficult or, or you know, I, I'm kind of ultimately the person who has to figure out whether something is going to be achievable or not, um, you know, within our budget and the time allotted, you know, and, and you know, obviously I, I had crew people that I could talk to, like Kareem Hussain, uh, the director of photography, he and I really looked at the schedule quite a lot and we're like, you know, are we going to be able to achieve this seen as written and and if not you know um what should it be uh you know especially once we got into filming on seance and we realized we were you know we were barely making our days and i didn't have any i didn't have any allotment for overtime on that film mm. uh, especially with our locations we just we were moving on so often that um that there there was no way to go back and get something um, so once we realized you know that we were we were scraping by we started trying to downsize some things but you know Normally that's kind of more of a collaborative process, you know, writer and director in this case, it, you know, I kind of had to, had to reach out to, mm -hmm. in this case, Kareem, you know, to kind of fill that role for me uh, and kind of tell me like, okay, what's, what am I walking into that feels too ambitious to you right now? Cause clearly, you know, I, I'm, I have the capacity as a first time director to bite off more than I can chew. And, you know, I think that is kind of a weird challenge as writer directors, you are attached to the material create creatively sometimes on a level that can make you kind of blind to to the bigger picture mm -hmm. um you know you're like oh i love this thing because i wrote it and i've loved it for like five years because i wrote it five years ago and and you kind of don't take a step back and say wait is this is this what people are going to want is this is this or is this worth fighting for you know versus something else you know mm. uh, are, were there like any sort of like moments of realization like that for for seance like any sort of like set pieces oh. that you did want to include but just couldn't oh yeah yeah i mean i cut an entire character from Seance. oh really yeah there was another girl who got murdered at, <laughs> uh in in the in the early drafts and i just realized as we were getting close it was like a we were struggling to find actors for these roles because i had to cast most everyone uh, out of winnipeg uh for budgetary reasons um there's only one american actor in the movie madison Beatty. everyone else is a uh, canadian or, or randomly british uh randomly but, british <laughs> yeah but um well including uh ella ray smith who plays helena and is doing an american accent uh pretty pretty seamlessly oh, okay. so i think she does i think there's like one word where she sounds a little british um you know and i'll probably make fun of her for it at some date uh, <laughs> when we work together again but she's she's amazing i would love to work with her again um, but, um, but yeah, uh, you know, I think, um, there were a lot of those moments, um, in particular, uh, you know, the final fight scene, um, you know, had to be downsized quite a bit, you know, cause I, I was mm. trying to do like a Gareth Evans style, you know, like slapstick, like, like homage to the raid and, uh, <laughs> you know, kind of forgetting that, like they had like a hundred shooting days on, <laughs> on, on, you know, and I think they had like, like, you know, on like the raid two and stuff like that. You know, I mean, I, 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 they make, they, they might not have huge budgets on those films, but they shoot for several months. And, and, you know, I had like a, a couple hours to get that whole scene kind of ultimately. So, you know, but fortunately, fortunately I knew getting into it, you know, a couple kind of creative things that I was going to try to do just to to still have that be 
an amusing and effective moment, but something that we could get in just a couple hours with actors who didn't have a lot of martial arts experience or, or, or stage fighting experience, I should say. Mm. Um, you know, so there's a lot of stunt doubling in that. Uh, um, BJ, our, uh, our stunt coordinator, uh, and who did a lot of the fight choreography uh, as well, you know, he had, uh, he had two stunt, uh, stunt women that we worked with, Kristen and Crystal, uh, who, nice. who, who doubled for uh, Suki and, you know, the other, the other actor in that scene, spoilery territory there, maybe, but um, I will be but, putting a spoiler warning and this will yeah. go out after it's out on shutter. So, you know, okay. <laughs> and it was really, but anyway, it was really precise when we would swap the actors and stunt performers in and out. And, and they were always like, it, 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 it went really quickly. And I think part of that is that I do, uh, you know, I do have some martial arts training myself and, and actually Suki had come to the school where I teach and nice. trained a little bit before getting up to Winnipeg, which was great. I was, I, I was really grateful to her that she was willing to do that. And I think that actually kind of also gave us a bit of comfort together. Like, so when we got on set, like it wasn't our first time, you know, kind of working together um but uh, and that was that so i really was grateful to her that she was willing, willing to come up to like north hollywood and and learn a few punches and blocks with me uh <laughs> you know not a lot of, not a lot of people would have taken that leap of faith but um but but yeah originally in that fight scene like um it wasn't like like she was like like the the character that suki's fighting um suki like was supposed to jump up and grab onto a light and start strangling that character with her legs and then accidentally rip the light out of the ceiling and knock herself unconscious um, and, and, and like, there was going to be like a, a lot more stuff that we just kind of realized, like, as we were getting closer, it's like, oh, we, we should rethink this. We should rethink this. Mm. Um, so, you know, I rethought the light gag and, and, you know, stuff like that. Oh, well, I'll say that the, the that light, uh, sequence was really cool. I, I like that a bunch. Um, yeah, that was a downside, but that's kind of what you get. I mean, that's, that's kind of, I guess the good thing about this stuff is, is on previous films, you know, when I'd have an idea that was too ambitious for us to be able to achieve on a low budget, everyone would just tell me like, you have to, we have to not do that. <laughs> and this one, I was so, you know, I would fight so tooth and nail to try to achieve those things that even the downsized version is still pretty, pretty, pretty absurd. Um, Cause it is, you know, it's still, it's still, that still was something that we had to like build and, and do fairly elaborately, you know, like it's, it's, you know, it's a whole thing on a hinge that's designed to flash uh, at the moment of impact as if the lights are exploding and such. I mean, it, it was, um, Tim, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on everyone's like, I'm just saying first name, save it. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> our, our, our physical effects coordinator who built that was really awesome. And, and yeah, it's the kind of thing that you can't just like spontaneously improvise. So like a couple weeks out, we were like, okay, we're not going to be able to do the strangulation. Uh, like let's do, let's do a different gag. I, you know, I was kind of like, there's a, there's a, <laughs> I'll do the drop zone gag uh you know with just a smash the light hits the person in the face and it's a funny kind of you know surprise gag moment yeah. slapstick and uh you know that was easier to do because it's just a hinge you know in an empty light uh that's like a light case you know that's filled with debris but like i said we hit an led panel in there awesome gaffer uh on this movie who'd worked with that <laughs> guy mad in a bunch uh great yeah anyway lawrence uh shout out to our awesome gaffer but uh, but yeah, it hit a it had a burst of light, uh, you know, at the impact that kind of gives you that comedic timing. So it was a gag. It was effective. That, you know, I, yeah. I just knew it was achievable, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I, I liked all of that. Uh, I guess I kind of want to circle back to um, kind of like I want to let you know a little bit more about like some of the stuff that I really like, just so you know, kind of like what at least what is appealing to a lot of people. I think about this movie. Um, I was kind of surprised to hear that. Uh, when I asked about like some of your inspiration, that it was a uh, like Jalo, 
Um, and sorry if I'm butchering that word. Um, <laughs> I'm not Italian. I don't care. <laughs> but uh, I mean, that makes sense because, you know, that's still kind of like those like crime mystery uh, movies. But as I was watching this, I was like, man, I'm like getting like a lot of like Black Christmas vibes. Um, totally. And uh, I honestly really love that because, I mean, for like kind of obvious reasons, you know, it's a cast primarily of young women at a at a school and I loved the just, you know, interior and the design of all this is taking place during winter, I, I assume, because of all the snow. But uh, I don't know, there was something very um, just kind of like nice and like cozy about that, like oddly to say, kind of like the same things I get from like Black Christmas. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> it was yeah, it, it was kind of fun to like emotionally go back through <laughs> uh, some of that. Totally. Yeah, I would say that like when I mentioned, you know, when I said that like there were a lot of films that were non-Italian that were kind of doing the giallo proto slasher mm -hmm. thing, specifically Bob Clark's Black Christmas, right. you know, is, is one of them. I mean, I think most people, you know, that movie kind of is to slashers what like Alien is to sci-fi horror or whatever. It's just like this this seminal film that just feels like it comes almost out of nowhere. Right. It, it, like creates a new genre and you know now we can look at like a lot of movies that did kind of similar things you know blood and lace and obviously there were there were Alley, you know prior to black christmas you know uh obviously uh blood and black lace um not to use blood and lace which is the other film that i mentioned uh, two different <laughs> movies that was a little confusing what i just did there I, I i'll try to think of a third film but i can't <laughs> um at any rate but yeah but but black christmas for sure is a film that i've i've watched dozens of times and actually i even uh have a have a fondness for the 2006 james wong black christmas and oh, okay. sophia uh recent remake as well i'm just kind of <laughs> i i enjoy that uh premise mm -hmm. in, in that in that setup um and, but but the, there's no beating the original and the original right. is 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 also i think a, a fairly fascinating and brave film in the way it treats its characters absolutely um you know it, it, it's doing it, it treats them very respectfully and 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 but nonetheless they're very fun and clear and and, and i've always loved that i've always loved um you know that relationship and and just the vibe of that film so yeah i mean that was one of the reasons i wanted to film in winnipeg um, when I realized the time of year we were going to be shooting, because seance didn't necessarily have to take place during the winter. In fact, considering it's a new student coming to school, it, it, it was kind of, I kind of conceived it for the fall, um, you know, but whatever, you know, when, when, when things come together, that's when they come together. Mm -hmm. So once I realized we were going to be filming in the winter, uh, it was going to be a late November to kind of late December shoot. Um, you know, Canada started to really excite me and specifically Winnipeg because we'd get that snow and that and that feeling, uh, that kind of stark, uh, wintry vibe, and and I, I I do love that kind of atmosphere. It was brutally cold making this movie, and oh, yeah. and, and that gave us several technical issues arose because of that. But it's one of those things also where you see the actor's breath on camera, an occasional snowflake fall, you hear the crunch of the snow. You know, there's an authenticity to that 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 gives you kind of a wonderful atmosphere. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, you can't. You kind of can't compete with the original Black Christmas. It, it's it's such a masterpiece, you know. And and you know, I think even the way the remakes have been received kind of kind of speaks to that. Uh, and so with Seance, you know, obviously I I didn't want to try to emulate precisely that sort of tone, um, but I did I did want to kind of if anything try to emulate that atmosphere whenever I could. You know, that kind of the old mm -hmm. buildings. You know, the kind of sense of like like this is this is a like classical classical kind of out of time space 
uh, was something I wanted. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I thought it was very good. I, I loved it. It's like one of the reasons that I was like hooked super early on into it just because it was, I don't know. It, yeah, well, every time, anytime it started snowing, uh, basically, as soon as like the actors were like in makeup, I'd be like, cream, cream, like we have to go film snow. <laughs> like, I mean, and that's the kind of thing that like, you know, on a 22 day shoot, you kind of don't think about because because we had no reshoots, there was no chance to go get pickups for this movie, any bit of footage in this had to be filmed during principal photography, which is kind of rare, actually. And I didn't even know it was necessarily going to be the case with this movie, but because the pandemic happened right after it was the case, mm. you know, there was nothing I could have gone back and picked up, even if, even if we could have afforded it, um, which I think we maybe could have, but logistically we couldn't. Um, so, you know, with that in mind, it's, it's those little shots of like snow falling and stuff that you uh, usually when you're making a low budget film, you don't get, cause you're like, you're just trying to get the scenes, right. but I kind of knew I was like, well, you know, we need to really, establish this and you know because it's going to feel weird otherwise so so anytime it would snow at all we'd go and we'd wherever we were i'd just be like okay if there's a bush over there let's film snow falling in from that bush um and and uh i was really glad i think we used every single one i think we used every single one of those shots except one in the movie Oh, yeah. It, I mean, I, we did a lot of takes of them. It, it was very atmospheric, and I, I loved that. It was very easy to be drawn in and just kind of uh, immersed uh, in this story. It, it was all very effective. Um, Thank you. It's something that I really liked about this is that this plays on so many different types of horror. So we have, like, ghost story, uh, like, urban legends, slasher, uh, slasher murder mystery, uh, and, of course, even, like, the the seance stuff, which is, I feel like a little bit separate from ghost stories too. Um, what is there in, you know, is all of them had like their own unique, different like jump scares or like crafted or like moments of tension, which all worked really well on me. <laughs> um, Thank you. So with, so between like ghosts, like supernatural stuff and like these slashers hunting slashers, uh, villains, like hunting their victims. Um, is there a like certain like type of horror between that that you particularly like, or is there one like as a director slash writer you have more fun with like crafting those scenes around those types of horror? Well, going back to James Wan's *Malignant*, <laughs> um, <laughs> something I think I love about you know the the proto slashers or especially early Gialli, um, and actually I would say this is true about the original *Black Christmas*, uh, though I wouldn't say it's true about about the remakes, uh, uh, which go in different directions. Mm -hmm. Is the original *Black Christmas* kind of feels supernatural, uh, although it isn't. Um, you know, it feels like the house is kind of being haunted, um, and and I like I like that. I like I like films that feel supernatural, but then have something kind of real and tangible going on that allows me to kind of um you know understand the stakes in a real way hmm. and you know and and obviously uh you know i don't want to spoil anything about malignant but but uh, it does this it does something similar um <laughs> but but the seance goes in a different direction which is seance actually does have a supernatural element but i didn't um you know to me like like you can't really have a supernatural slasher unless you really make it quite clear what the rules are I mean, there's a reason why I guess like Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, is such a classic is because it kind of pulls off the supernatural slasher thing in a way that's like instantly clear, you know, right. kill you in your dreams, don't fall asleep, got it. Um, and and that's cool. Like, like, but, you know, in, in some of the, you know, in some other kind of recent popular supernatural films, it's like, I don't totally ever understand what the rules are. You know, me, if like a ghost can like, I don't know, turn a bunch of crosses upside down on the wall, why can't a ghost just do that to my brain and kill me? if it wants me to leave the house, Interesting. like, 
you know, so, so I, I don't, I don't, and, and I, that's not me being like a picky viewer. I enjoy those conjuring films tremendously. Uh, you know, but I, 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 I also kind of as a filmmaker, you know, I don't, I, I wouldn't know what the rules are. I don't know the stakes. Like if, you know, the demons can scare people, but they can't hurt them. And, and so, you know, so, so I don't, I have a hard time, I guess, buying the notion that ghosts can hurt people and, and, and that we can scare people with that. I, I, I'm more like movies like The Ring, where like the way a ghost hurts you is, is it, you are like scared to death. Mm. like that that feels real to me and, and, and i like that but i but you, it's hard to do that specific thing um without kind of that being your whole movie um so because i knew i kind of wanted this to be a murder mystery but supernatural i i felt like i wanted the supernatural element to not totally be connected to the main narrative but you also but made it helpful well but it's connected to the emotional narrative you know mm-hmm. something i always thought was fascinating is a Steven Soderbergh talking about out of sight and, and, and I tried to do this actually in our film, a horrible way to die because it, the narrative lent itself to it. You know, he kind of realized with out of sight, uh, you know, or as he claims that the emotional narrative and kind of plot narrative, thriller narrative of the movies were not timing out well. So he just started chopping them in different places where he felt like they should go. And that's how that movie kind of ended up in the order that it is. Um, Seance, I wanted to be a linear edit, but I kind of realized like, well, my emotional narrative, you know, and my mystery narrative don't have to necessarily be one and the same. They can just kind of land in the same place. So the movie has a supernatural emotional story, uh, but the mystery story is is not supernatural. And I thought that was not, I thought that was a nice idea. Um, but I don't think, um, I don't think everyone likes it that much, but that's okay. <laughs> I, I liked it a bunch here. Uh the and I like how you described that 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 was kind of more of like the emotional tie to it too. Yeah, um, I, I I understood how a ghost would want to communicate with someone for emotional reasons. Mm-hmm. Like if, if an imprint of that person remains because of how they died energetically or so on, I understood them wanting to connect with like the energy of someone that they would remember. But I, I don't understand them, you know, murdering someone necessarily. Right. Um, I got one more question for you because we're almost out of time here. And this is how I like okay. to end uh, every episode here. So if you were to pick one movie prop or item to put in the basement of a cabin in the woods to summon the killers from this movie to get you, what, uh, what movie prop would you want to put down there? Wait. So I, sorry, I haven't listened to prior episodes. So this... This, this question is how I would like to, to be, is who I would so like to murder. Are you, are you familiar with the... But with, I want to be murdered. I, I'm familiar with Cabin in the Woods. Yes. So if you okay. were to pick a movie prop from here to put down there. Murdering me. Well, well a, anyone that finds it. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, so they're murdering other people. Yeah. Okay, that's a very different question. <laughs> this question is really confusing to me. So again, I'm not being murdered in this scenario. No, no, you're not. Just a movie prop yeah. that would... A movie prop, but from but not from any film. So I can't pick Silent Night, Deadly Night Five, The Toy Maker. No, just just from Seance. What what? I can uh, only pick Seance. Yeah. What prop I would want from Seance? Yeah, to be added to the basement in the cabin in the woods. There's not that many props in Seance. I can really only go with one of the two masks. Yeah, I was going to go with like the planchette that. Uh, no, no, no! I never want to see that thing again for the rest of my life. <laughs> I don't want to think about it and I don't want to see it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to think about it. It was so difficult to film that thing. And it, it and I should have, I should have spent more time putting it together and constructing it, but I wanted a lipstick planchette and we got one, but that thing was a nightmare that poor Madison Beatty had to like operate in all those scenes 
but uh and actually i handed it over to stephanie Sai for one of the scenes because i just started to feel too bad for madison um no 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 i think uh i think it would be the copy of uh wuthering heights that uh that gets stabbed um with the switchblade in the final fight scene mm. but i'll share a little bit of fun trivia and let you know that that's actually just the cover of wuthering heights the actual book is a Downton Abbey photo book that has <laughs> Stevens in it. And the only reason for that is that we found a bunch of them in a box uh, on like, like on clearance somewhere. And, and like, and we were able to, so that was our prop book was the Downton Abbey photo book, um, which always made me happy because uh, it felt like Dan was on set. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Well, thank you, Simon, so much for your time and, and congrats on Seance. I think people are going to really like it. Yeah, and I don't think people should dismiss what I said about Cyanide Deadly Night Five, the toy maker, either. <laughs> Absolutely. Not, not, not so easily. They should, they should, they should think about that. <laughs> Thank you again, Simon. Thank you. Thanks for having me.